Connor, for today's episode, we have to go to sunny San Diego. We just have to. Aside from being a bustling metropolis of biopharma innovation, what comes to mind when you think of San Diego? I think of Top Gun and Maverick yes. and surfing and waves and the West Coast and those marvelous things that is southern sunny California. I think it has all the right features to be your dream city if you just didn't live in <clears throat> the sunny United Kingdom. Am I right? Yeah, it's, it's marvelous here too. Today, we're concerned with the cancer-fighting molecule that was found in the ocean. I knew it. Surfing is a savior, but seriously, marine chemical biology is what matters today on Discovery Matters. I'm Brad Moore. I'm a professor here at Scripps Institution of Oceanography, which is in lovely La Jolla, California. Brad is a distinguished professor of marine chemical biology. He sits in his office at Scripps, which is just a stone's throw from the Pacific Ocean. Predictably, he has an affinity for the ocean, and aside from his love of surfing, his love of the ocean is evident in his research. Frankly, he invited me to go surfing when I was out there, but I was too wimpy. Well, you should have gone because there's good breaks. Up. I wish I, I had. I agree that you're too wimpy. So, sympathize with Brad's love of the sea. I guess when I look out my window here and I gaze out at the Pacific Ocean, I see endless possibilities of life that is evolved to our planet and the environments that it lives. You know, most organisms have to, you know, have evolved their ability to make little molecules to solve big problems that, that they have to encounter. We as humans can really benefit from this wisdom of nature and evolutionary processes that last millions of years that perfect these little chemical processes. And maybe we can use that inspiration to develop drugs for, for us. So in the development of drugs and therapies, taking inspiration from nature is just, that is a favorite topic on our podcast, Biomimicry. That's right. We had an episode dedicated to biomimicry and how it can be used in space. But have you read the quote, and I, I think I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson say it, maybe he was quoting someone else, but he says that we know more about space than our oceans. Yeah, but our oceans aren't full of plastic, right? No, they are. They are. <laughs> but we haven't built space, space isn't plastic yet. yet. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy, though, right? You, we can look outwards and find new worlds and whatnot, but actually there's so much right here under our nose uh, yet to be unlocked in the sea. For millennia, you know, humankind has been taking inspiration of nature to cure our, our diseases. You can think back to, you know, aspirin coming from a bark of a willow tree and, and, and these things. So that isn't new. What is new are two things. One of those things is the ability to sequence genomes of organisms and do it fast and do it cheaply. And this has now unearthed this ability for us to read the sequence of, of a genome, a whole bunch of A, T, Gs, and Cs, this letter code, and realize that these letters mean that they code for chemistry and they code for how molecules are born in, in organisms. And this then gives us a recipe that allows us to take those sequences and then convert them into evolved chemicals that have a purpose 
and they can actually connect to a receptor or to a protein to turn it on, turn it off, and that's what medicine does. So that's one thing that has really changed. It allows us to really take the sequence of DNA and convert it to, to chemical or, or, or to medicines. The second thing, it really allows us to look at organisms that do this, which is pretty much every organism on planet Earth, even the gnarliest insects that freak you out, they've got a beauty to their DNA. And allows us to find organisms that are rare, hard to get at, and I just need a smidgen of that organism just to get its DNA. And it allows me then to read it and to make medicine. This takes me back to the episode of horseshoe crabs and the blood that they have used in medicine and testing and what a great resource they are in nature. Exactly. But procuring the blood of those horseshoe crabs is damaging, not sustainable. But Brad's method is to access these rare organisms. He just needs a smidgen of that organism to get its DNA, to read it, and then to make the medicine. So this is a fundamentally different way of doing science, but it's going in a really good direction. Exactly. In past decades, you would have had to get huge amounts of an organism to find its chemical or unlock its biological secrets. So is Brad editing the DNA to apply this to an anti-cancer molecule? How is he working this such that it cures brain tumors and so on? So the case of this brain cancer drug that we've been working with, it comes from a little bacterium in the bottom of the ocean. It makes a chemical that just tells things it likes to eat it to stay away. And this chemical is called selenosporamide. As a drug, it's called merizumib. It's in phase three human clinical trials to treat an aggressive cancer called glioblastoma. And this cancer, you know, takes over 10,000 American lives a year. Senator McCain, Bo Biden passed away with this particular aggressive cancer. And this marine bacterium just happens to make a chemical that passes the blood-brain barrier and targets a very important protein in cancer cells and inhibits it. So we're really excited about that. But connecting that chemical in that bacterium, we can connect it back to its DNA. And all the genes that encode, that tell that bug, that little bacterium to make that chemical. We can now take those genes out and we can edit them and we can begin to make new chemicals that that bacterium doesn't make that's based on that anti-cancer drug and be able to then learn exactly how that chemical works against you know this cancer target and really understand it at the molecular chemical atomic detail and that nerdy kind of stuff that then allows you to make a drug that's then appropriate in a human body. This is fascinating. I mean, one small molecule at the bottom of the sea could save the lives of so many. And it's going into what, phase three now? Yeah, so we are still pretty much in a stage where we are still learning about how these processes are happening. So we're less further along in those examples. In the, the brain cancer one, obviously this has left the university, is now a pharma company, is now you know sponsoring those studies in hospitals around the United States. So this research is the product of phenomenal hard work of a team of scientists at Scripps Institute of Oceanography, with Brad's laboratory as the melting pot for people to come together. This team is working on another cool project. Okay, go on. So, you know, plants are all over the place. 
And one reason the plants have done so well on planet Earth is that they make a certain chemical called a terpenoid. This terpenoid is important in plant biology because it tells a plant how to live. Plants don't have legs, so they can't move, but they use these terpenoids to communicate with other things that can move, like pollinators, to protect themselves from threats. I don't know if you've read this book yet, but it's gorgeous. It's called The Overstory. It's a Pulitzer Prize winner. It describes the network of trees, how they're so interconnected. As far as I know, Brad hasn't read the book yet, but he and his team thought about plants and they realized that there are ancient animals at the bottom of the ocean. They don't move, they don't have legs. So the question is, how do these ancient deep sea dwelling animals like sponges or corals, how are they communicating with one another? And did they get an answer? Well, the discovery of how is it's fresh off the press, or if I may say, it's as fresh as the catch of the day. So it turns out they use some of the same chemicals as plants use. But it was, there was a big mystery for several decades that we just solved and we published a really fun paper on this that corrects an assumption in the scientific literature that thought that perhaps these ancient animals use microbes to make, to make these chemicals because animals were thought not to make these plant-like chemicals. Well, it turns out when we sequence their genomes, we began to see these little signature sequences in these animals' genomes that said that they make these terpenoids as well and they cluster their genes together, and they've got these really cool abilities to make these molecules. So we can now take these coral DNA, and we can put them into bacteria, and we can make these chemicals. And it turns out they have exquisite activities against cancer cells, as anti-inflammatory agents, and all these things. And we're really excited about where this can take us. And also is being able to teach us that these coral chemicals don't just maybe cure human disease, but they also might have a really important role in the coral animal itself. And since corals have been around on planet Earth longer than plants, about 150 million years longer, they've been doing this for that much longer in time. So it must be really important to these soft corals to have retained this ability, I guess not just retained, but evolved this ability to make these you know, really specialized chemicals that must be important for their biology as well as their health and their, probably how they're communicating with all the other things that are in the bottom of the ocean. So there's just this rich source of innovation coming out of the sea. It's amazing. It actually feels a little bit like the fact that we talk about the biodiversity loss in the rainforest being a real loss of opportunity for you know human health. It's the sea as well. Completely. And if anybody wants to look into more detail of that fun study that Brad refers to, that is, of course, in our show notes. So in terms of the next step, what Brad or what does he need to do to have this discovery taken further? Well, in short, more research. So we're looking to build a little biofoundry here at Scripps Oceanography of taking coral DNA and implanting that into bacteria and yeast to make coral chemicals that we can begin to, to test as human medicines and also begin to sort of test as materials that could be important to our well-being. 
So actually, our collaborators were just off the California coast. They brought some submersibles down. They went a couple of kilometers down in, in depth, so one to two to three kilometers in depth, and collected you know, small samples of these really deep-sea corals. We've now sequenced their genomes, we've looked at their chemistry, and we're really charging forward with, with that particular project. And as I said earlier, definitely, we just need a small amount, just a few grams of an organism to get that DNA out. And then forever we have that sequence, and us and everyone else you know, can benefit from that information. Speaking of huge benefits, I wondered whether Brad could see this anti-cancer molecule for glioplastoma scaling up and being as easily accessible as aspirin. You know, we've, I guess, industry has already shown its ability to scale up microbial fermentation to make chemicals. We do that all the time. Many of the medicines we take, um, like for antibiotics, we think of like penicillin. You can make those, you scale those kind of systems up. There are big fermenters that many industries have now that allow us to make small molecules out of microbes. So that is all set up. And I think that's the beauty of this approach right now is because there is an existing industry that allows you to do this. And now we're just trying to repurpose these microbes that we have already in fermenters to make products that are important for medicine, like this glioblastoma drug, or other products as well that might be important to our synthetic world that we live in. That's a very poignant way to end. We have an ocean continually being clogged up by human-made poisonous and harmful materials, plastic and all sorts of nasties. But it's got all these secrets that could really hold answers to human health. Exactly. So who knows what other cures and solutions could be lurking in our oceans on a microbial level. Our executive producer, Andrea Killen, Podcast produced by Bethany Grace Armit Brewster. Editing, mixing music, Tom Henley, Banda Productions. Thank you as ever. My name, Dodie Axelson. And I'm Connor McKechnie. Please rate us on Spotify or whichever platform you're using. If you are listening on Spotify, there's a poll underneath the episode description. Please tell us what you think. We'll see you when we come back with another episode of Discovery Matters. Discovery Matters.